0: I think I, I think I have a theme song for that. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> there it is. Nope. There it is. Premier League. Spiritual <laughs> Premier League. <Premierly>. Season two. St. <laughs> <Saint> John Alive <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> We're going to stop there. Welcome to St. John Alive Podcast. Here it is. Episode one of our Lenten series, and I'm joined today by our uh, by Sarah Smith. First of all, that's her name. What is your title officially?
1: Well, I think my official title is Faith Formation Assistant and Baptism Facilitator.
0: Faith Formation Extraordinaire. That's what we're going with today. Yeah, I
1: like that better. All
0: right, so we're joined by Sarah Smith, and we're talking about Lent. We're going to kick it off today, um, just like just chatting about. Uh, our perspectives on Lent, and um, I actually just I just wrote a bulletin article um, to kick off Lent about our parish theme, and uh, I hear you have a very different perspective than mine, Sarah. What, what what's because what I said about Lent is I always remember growing up, and Lent was a season just completely riddled with Catholic guilt, and I kind of always like bemoaned it coming around in the year, and I'm like, oh no, Lent is here. Mom's gonna drag us to a penance service, and I'm gonna have to like give stuff up and then I'm gonna feel guilty if I don't and then I'm gonna, you know, at dinner time I'm gonna look back and go, oh shoot, I definitely ate meat for Lent for lunch. You know, like I just chowed down on a Big Mac and it didn't even register. Not good. Didn't register. So for me, Lent was always like a kind of, it was like this thing I dreaded. And um but I hear that's not how it is for you. So no. late on me. What what was Lent like for you growing up?
1: Lent for me growing up, I was like a super fangirl of Lent. Um I think it's from being an athlete, and it's like, this is spring training, we're going to do this right, yes, and like super focused, and I loved the hyper focus of Lent. Pray, fast, give, you knew how long it was going to be, you knew like what you were supposed to do, and there were like all these challenges you had to go through, and I, I guess I liked how how much, how much better could I be at being Catholic this year, or doing lent the best ever so for me it was a challenge like how many hurdles can i jump over how many how many things can i do
0: i guess i just don't have that as competitive a spirit i don't know and maybe i do now i don't i appreciate lent now though i will say like it's, i have a very different take on it but i think what what changed it for me was just the um when I was in college, I started to understand the psychology around, like, self-sacrifice and giving things up. And that's what changed the game for me because I'm like, oh, this is actually, like, there's scientific evidence that this is really good for you. And, in fact, we should be doing this year-round. And it's naturally built into the season of the church. And it's, like, a beautiful thing. It's almost like Jesus knew what was best for us. <laughs> the guy's got a funny way of doing that.
1: Yeah, so. like, might be so we can enter into Easter in an awesome
0: right which is exactly what i said at the very end of my bulletin article mm-hmm. let's do let's dive in to lent hard and do it well because we don't know what that more is that jesus has for us on the other side on in in the, in the easter season so um all right so we're talking about lent and self sacrifice but what what is self sacrifice like what is what are the kinds of things that we give up and what should we be giving up and what things should we not be giving up? Like I always thought as a kid, like, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give up using bad language. And then I found out as an adult, like you're not supposed to give up sin for Lent because you're already supposed to not be doing that. Right. So
1: <laughs> and I think that's why like my version of spring training focus on Lent kind of works with that viewpoint of what Lent's supposed to be. Because you're already supposed to be doing these things and now you're just supposed to like like keep hitting that ball again and again, and so you can get hit it farther and farther and more accurate. So it's that's what Lent's supposed to be, increasing what you're already supposed to be doing, but better. Nice.
0: It's next level spirituality. Next level. next level. <laughs> and so it could, it could be, it could start on whatever level you're on, right? You don't always you don't have to be this holier than thou like already glowing to enter into the season of Lent like it's it's that's the beauty of it to me is like it will Christ wants to meet you exactly where you're at and then take you to that next level cuz he always wants more for you than you can even imagine for yourself. So, um uh, what are some of our other talking points? I cannot think straight right now. We have here. Uh what is Lent? What is self-control? All right. What's the connection between Lent and self-control? Why why is Lent that's kind of a good question. Why is Lent the season that we do that? What's significant about Lent?
1: It's because it's the season right before Easter. And I always tell my kids, we have these penitential seasons right before our party seasons. So like Advent is penitential, Lent, penitential. Easter and Christmas are the party times. And the party times are always longer. So like Lent's 40, Easter's 50 days. So, and then after you have the season of Pen- Easter, then there's like all these other party days that people forget about, like, oh, like Holy, Most Holy Trinity, and oh, come on, what are the other ones? Ascension. Pe- no, not ascension. Not
0: Pentecost. Pentecost? Pentecost isn't Pentecost thing, right? yep. starts it. That's right.
1: And then there's like five feast days after that, like Most Sacred Heart, the Corpus Christi.
0: I don't have them memorized. Oh, well, well,
1: the catechist I'm, in me needs you to I'm know f- these things.
0: I'm failing catechism right now.
1: Well, I have a kite craft that you can do, so you know which <laughs> did you feast just, days. Did you
0: just tell me to go fly a kite because I could not <laughs> remember my catechesis?
1: No. Well, the, I have a craft that has a kite and all the feast days that follow nice. Pentecost. That's awesome. So you'll always have them memorized. Maybe you need, you're need. you the kind of kid that needs those visual aids. I
0: am, absolutely. <laughs> the space cadet that doesn't remember unless it's like right there in front of me. Okay, cool. So what did you think of our, our Lenten theme? Was it clear in my bulletin article at all? Because I was supposed to clarify it, and I wasn't necessarily 100% clear on it. So.
1: Well, um, I know we have a scripture base to our Lenten theme as our parish mission, which is the clay pots, and you're quoting the different scripture passages, which I think is always good to have the scripture of why we're doing something. And I think as Catholics, we have failed to do that in generations past, and we're definitely, as a church as a whole, I think we're definitely getting back to that. We're getting back to that practice. And I'm so happy. I'm really trying to change in my own catechesis when I'm teaching others, To implement that and to encourage,
0: right? Yeah, I definitely find that it's really difficult to prepare content for anything. Like when I'm going into youth groups and things like that, like it's really difficult. And and then I'm like pounding my head against the wall trying to come up with something. And I'm like, you dork, just go back to scripture, you know? And then I sit down with a piece of scripture, and then I start praying through it, and it all starts to make sense. So we did. We started talking about what our theme was going to be for Lent, and we talked about specific things. Um, that we wanted to accomplish and what the end goal was. And we got to this image of um, being earthen vessels, right? Being this, these clay pots that were um, basically like the, the idea is that the vessel is, um, is constantly breaking down over time, but it's also constantly being renewed, right? By the glory of God uh, within it. And so, I'll be honest, I did not know where in scripture that, that, came, that imagery came from. I was thinking it was going to be like old Testament and I looked it up and it was actually second Corinthians. So it's, yeah. it's St. Paul's letter to uh second letter to the Corinthians. And it was interesting because I was reading the commentary on it. This is going to become a really boring, like biblical commentary real quick. Um, so I was reading the commentary on it and, uh, the Ignatius Catholic study Bible talks about what was going on in that time period and how like the the Christian community that St. Paul had set up years prior was like kind of under attack from the, the uber pagan culture around it in Corinth. And um, so what he was trying to do was, was kind of send this letter to bolster them back up and, and to challenge some of the division that had started to arise within them. And he uses this image of earthen vessels in relation to our mission um, to to be Christians and our call to holiness and uh, he specifically talks in in that letter about um this this idea of like the sufferings that we go through as Christians and so as i'm reading through this trying to do more research on this theme that we had come up with i'm like oh my gosh all this makes sense so it was definitely like the spirit led moment where um you know, the Lord wants to take us and our parish community into something deeper in terms of understanding, you know, why why we would make that self-sacrifice and uh, why this is important. Because while we have these, like, temporary and um, just, like, these interim seasons where we're suffering for the faith in a sense, it's all geared toward uh, being renewed, right? And that's what Christ wants for us, and that's what we, we talk about a lot in our youth ministry is— um is that that sense of more that Jesus wants for everyone? Because it's all too easy for us to get caught up in that, like the negative self talk and and the just the negative perspectives about ourselves that um, that kind of drag us down in life. And I'm finding that a lot of people, a lot of youth that I minister to, and, and I've done this to myself. This is why this rang true for me, um, is that we have a tendency to be limited by like our own imagination for our life. And I I'm guilty of building my life on sand, so to speak and uh, and then having things wash away and it's really amazing to see that as we come out of those seasons if we lean into Christ and we lean into his will for our lives we find that even through those challenging times what god actually had envisioned for us was like so much more grandiose than we could have even like ever wrapped our brain around and um that's why i'm excited for this lent because this is the first time I've experienced a sitting down like as a larger community and really kind of centering around a theme and um, like as a whole staff, like I know we've had preaching series and things like that, but like everyone is on board with this and I'm super excited. So we're, you know, we're trying to to leach this theme into like all of the individual ministries and, and uh, it's just a good thing. I don't know where I was going with that.
1: (laughs) No. And like hardships and things like that, when you were saying that and like, I always tell people like, my name is Sarah Rose, and God's given me lots of different thorns in my life. Those thorns are hardships, and you don't always realize when you're in it why you were given those, and you can you can wallow in the suffering of that, but every single one of those sufferings has helped somebody or it has made me into something else, and Lent and self-sacrifice – often has those same effects you don't realize why you gotta do it until the end or maybe even later on down the road how it can affect you long term
0: yeah yeah no that's definitely been a thing in my life like I always like when I was in college I I thought I had lined up like the path I wanted in life and um as things fell apart through the years I you know they were devastating blows to me because that's, that's what I wanted. You know, that's who I wanted to be and what I thought I was about. And, um, you know, it it was really frustrating to go through that season where everything kind of fell apart, but, as things started to pick back up and life started to come back together after that, I realized what the Lord had been doing all along and preparing me for something completely different. Like I never ever in a million years thought I'd be sitting here talking on a podcast about my faith in front of a lot of people and publishing it all over the World Wide Web, which is absolutely terrifying. But, you know, the Lord is is leading us into something a lot deeper um, and and more meaningful than, than even I could have certainly imagined for my life. I always, when I was in school, I- <laughs> All
1: right, here we go, story time.
0: Genevieve, my wife, was the very first person I met at at school. In fact, she picked me up from the airport with her friend Sarah. And um, so I've known Genevieve my entire time. Uh, I studied ministry, for ministry. And um, I have always said, even since I started studying theology, I will never, ever, ever be a youth minister, and I have no desire to work in a parish, ever. (laughs) Wow. I know, right? And here I am (laughs) doing youth ministry in a parish. And in fact, I freaking love it. I love my job, right? I love my mission and I love what I do. And I actually, I get really excited. And if you've asked anyone who's heard me speak about anything recently, I'm usually winded and out of breath by the mm-hmm. time I'm done with the first sentence. And they're like, who is this guy? <laughs> um, but I, 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 really love it. And it was, you know, and that was one of those things that for me, like that was kind of a penitential season because getting to that point, I fought it and fought it and fought it and fought it. And, fought it. and um, it was my wife who kept saying, "Like you, you, know, you might actually like youth ministry. You'd probably be pretty good at it. You should give it a try." And I, like, begrudgingly, begrudgingly, started submitting applications. And uh, it wasn't mm-hmm. until this job that I finally got a yes. And it was, it was very much like we felt it was very much ordained by the Lord, and that He guided us all the way here to Michigan from Southern California, and um, has been walking with us through this this season, and um, through that that like. That really frustrating season, um, it was It was really God breaking down all of those expectations that I had created for right. myself.
1: Well, it's the same true with Lent. Yeah. We can have expectations in our Lent. Yep. We can have expectations in our life, but through those different focuses that yeah. God gives us during Lent, they can come out with something awesome on the other side for our Easter season. Because what was John Paul II say? We are an Easter people. Yeah. Yeah, so— yeah. One of my favorite saints, by the way. What so?
0: What are your, what are your expectations that we're hoping are are limited, like in comparison to what the Lord actually wants for you? What are your expectations for this Lent?
1: So my individual Lenten expectations. Oh well, I really hope to guide my children into a great Lenten season, where as individuals. Myself, I have my own Lenten reflection book, and they have their own Lenten reflection books as individuals. And that we take the time kind of like parallel playing um, every evening where we are all into our own books, but we're together as a community. I like that. It's We've done it in the past. Um, it was beautiful, especially during COVID. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping to repeat that awesomeness. Nice. We also have our discipleship that you can also get if you don't haven't already picked up one. They're in the kids' corner at the welcome desk.
0: Is that the South really Church. cool craft with the fish and the yes. thing that you gave out at the reconciliation retreat? Yes. Nice. We ha- Felicity has one of those. She brought it home and she was putting it together the other day. Actually, she was sitting here putting it together while I was setting all this up. Those are really cool. Yeah. So, what's the idea behind the discipleship?
1: The discipleship. So, you it's like a three D ship. That you assemble together. And there's two fishermen inside. Because, right, we're supposed to all be fishermen of men. And each little fish, there's 40 fish. Wow, there wasn't any thinking behind that, was there? (laughs) And on the back of each fish is a challenge. So there's a, a scripture passage and then a challenge. And they're all relatively easy. And you're not talking like a mega long scripture passage either. Because, let's say, everybody's attention spans about that big. Anyhow. And if you make it too hard... I'm sorry, what'd you say? The attention span is... Stop, you nut. It's true. This is what I had to work with here. Yeah, this it is. St. John's <laughs> finest.
0: <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your story. So it's a short attention span. <laughs> Jeez, that's terrible.
1: So the fish are great because it gives you manageable um, challenges for daily activities to do.
0: What are some of your favorites that you've seen on there?
1: Oh... Favorites, like um, where you talk about it as a family, like what that passage meant and how how do you see that already implemented in your family life? And what's great about that is that you're it's gratifying to see how you're already living out the Gospels. How are you already doing it? And I don't think we always we always focus on how we're failing. And not always Guilty. how we're doing it. Yeah. And we are doing it, people. We're yeah. doing it. Give yourself some credit. And Lent shouldn't be about how you're failing. It should be about executing what you're doing great and making it better. Next level. Next level.
0: Next level. That's why like it's it. like
1: spring training. You already know how to hit the ball. Now you're just hitting it farther.
0: Yeah. And I like I like that it's discussion-based because like I have littles in my house, whereas your children are a little bit older. So the— Separate but together reading time that wouldn't go go so well with four year olds and <laughs> five year olds and um, so I like the fact that it's discussion based because we've actually started doing that in you know in other ways at the dinner table like we have this deck of cards that's like a you know it's intended to, for connection time or whatever at the dinner table and so they're just like goofy questions about random stuff but now we can take our discipleship mm. and we can start discussing um, those particular things for Lent and it's I'll tell you it's amazing the spiritual insights that come from four and five and six, seven year olds yes. sometimes. It's it's a really beautiful thing. But do you have other tips and tricks that I can carry into Lent or our families can carry into Lent for those who have younger ones that might be struggling with the concept. Because it's really easy. Mm. It's really easy to fall into the thought that, like, well, Lent is just for older people. Like, kids don't need to worry about it. But there are a ton of really yeah. awesome and amazing ways that we can engage Lent with littles. So what's, what's some of your advice there?
1: Okay. So there's a lot of different things online where you can go, like paper chains, And every day is like a Lenten activity challenge, like hug your sibling or write a note to a grandma or stuff. Simple ways of giving like that is nice. Or another way, like in our flourishing Catholic classes, we have like a a piece of paper with little pockets. And the pockets have pray fast give. And the challenge is they're going to take three out of each section every week and those give individual challenges of like what you can do like for example in pray the challenges in pray could be like let's pray for expectant mothers or let's pray for seminarians or let's pray for um, kids in wheelchairs or something like that I mean sometimes they're kind of random in there but sometimes they're like people that you know you should pray for them but you don't Like seminarians.
0: Like a good reminder.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, and then if they don't know what seminarians are, now's a good time to talk about what they are. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember one time, Little Dale's like, what does expectant mother mean? (laughs) He was just like, what the heck is that word that you're trying to throw at me? And I had explained to him what it meant. And so, you know, that can be educational too. Yeah. And then the, like, give. Give can be, like, something huge, like, Go through your, all your closet and like, you know, give away the stuff you don't ever wear or something you don't fit. But then giving can also be easy stuff like noticing somebody and yeah. smiling at them. People yeah. need I mean, smiles can go a long way sometimes. It's or, true. Or just being aware of a coworker or a kid at school whom you notice is just a little bit less vibrant.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I was just having a conversation with a guy. Um, we, Jen and I went out to lunch the other day and, um, we happened to bump into the owner of Jimmy John's (laughs) on our way out the door. It's a very personable guy. Super cool. He just stopped and started chatting with us there because it was because there was a car accident outside. And Mm -hmm. so we were all standing around talking and Genevieve was over making sure everyone was okay. Um, putting her nursing education to work. And, uh, anyway, so he's standing there chatting with us and, um, it was really cool because this guy just starts talking about his employees and how he cares about his employees and he listens to their life and their stories and he tries to help them out he's not just like a boss that's just a slave driver and he's yelling at his employees but he was telling us about uh one particular young woman who's in a rough situation and uh what he was doing to help her out and he then he just kind of like brushed it off like it was no big deal like that was normal life and i'm like no dude like <laughs> thank you for doing what you're doing. He was trying to thank my wife for being a nurse. And I'm like, dude, just cause you own restaurants doesn't mean you don't make an impact. Like yeah. you, we really appreciate the fact that you're taking care of your employees. What we need is more humans being human and taking care of each other. And, uh, it was really cool. I'm starting to see that, that theme of just humanity bleeding back into our culture. Cause I think a lot of people are starting to realize how much we've lost of that. Um, especially over the last couple of years where people were really disconnected and, um, There's just a lot of woundedness and brokenness that's coming up, and uh, people are are almost like relearning how to take care of each other, and it's beautiful to see. Um, And So going back, another thing that I was thinking about was I thought it was really cool that a lot of these activities that we're focusing on and talking about um, are like proactive things that we're doing during Lent, because another thing that was always really hard for me growing up was that Lent was just always directly translated to like, you have to give up something good, and that was like that was the thing you did in Lent. Um, so but only that's
1: focusing on fasting,
0: only focusing on fasting and ah. giving things up. But that was not necess- That that's not necessarily what we're talking about this year, right? We're talking about being earthen vessels and and filling ourselves with good things. And um, this is something that I talk about all the time with the youth. And I'm going to be really careful not to get up on my high horse about some non-Christian spirituality that's floating around out there. But um, it, there's a lot of of like momentum out there to to empty oneself and to to get rid of the bad, right? Because there's aversion to things that are not good in our life and the things that bring us suffering, and so we try to push those out, but there's not a ton of like emphasis on refilling what's empty, right? Because if we just focus on emptying and getting rid of for the sake of emptying and getting rid of, then we're left empty and that, void.
1: <laughs> that reminds me of the Scripture passage about the, you cleaned out the demon that was inside of you, Mm -hmm. and then he goes out, he finds that, oh, it's all neat and clean in here, and then he comes back and brings seven more powerful demons.
0: Right, yeah, and that's actually the scripture that I reference all the time with the the high school kids, and so we we have to, the alternative is we have to fill ourselves with good things, and that's a really great way to uh, approach this Lenten season is— not just the emptying and the self sacrifice, because that has an important role in our spirituality, but it is also important to replace that void in our heart that we're creating, that's been filled with something earthly for so long, um, with something valuable, right? With something of the Lord, goodness, yes. truth, and beauty, right? So we wanna make sure that we're focusing on, on um, bringing those positive okay. habits in at the same time we're getting rid of the old ones. Right. And um, so it's
1: very dangerous to make sure that we fill it with good right after confession.
0: Yes, right. That's a that's a super important time. The image that I always comes to my head, and I I don't know where this comes. There's probably it something specific either in scripture or secular or whatever. But um, the the image that comes to mind is is floating away from shore without anchor, right? So like when we get so rid of drifting. those bad things, we're just we just start drifting off into the abyss, and uh, I, it probably comes from. a Psychology and some analogy, mm-hmm. um, because it's starting to come back as I'm talking about it. Um, but w- what happens in our brains is as we break those bad habits down, uh, our brain is looking for those automatic connections that it's made to those bad habits. But when they're not there, like our brain actually enters into this fight or flight mode because it feels like it's being attacked because it doesn't have anything to latch onto, right? Because we are like emotionally and mentally drifting, right? So we have to give it something positive to latch onto. And, um, and retrain those habits in a positive direction so that our automatic response in, in times of, of challenge right. is, is a response of virtue, right? That's really what Lent has become about for me is how can I shift from the negative habit to the positive habit and um, and really firmly root those automatic responses for me. So there's a lot of meditative prayer in my spirituality right now. <laughs> That's a good thing.
1: Yeah. Um, oh, that— that has been a discipline that I've had to implement into Lent and Advent because I was, I could do the giving and a fasting like no other. That's probably, I have a giving heart and fasting, that's probably the athlete in me. That's do the hard to get the good. But the prayer, mm, the prayer was always hard for me. Yeah. Reading and studying, love it. Give those to me prayer that has been a working thing.
0: Yeah, the kicker for me was in the fall I read um Colonel Robert Saraz's book The Power of Silence. Mm-hmm. That was a game changer for me because as I was reading through it, he's talking about it, not literal silence but internal silence and our ability to enter into that and that being like the course like the the essential state for us to really enter into this heart-to-heart relationship with God and um and so i was i i was trying to discover how to enter into internal silence in my own life and i found out how much noise there is <laughs> it's really difficult right but i started to understand the importance of that meditative prayer even if it's not like even if it doesn't jive with your your spirituality naturally like we got to find a way to be able to enter into uh, just kind of pondering and reflecting the face of Christ and the mystery of Christ and who he is and what he did in our lives. Um, so for me, that's a big theme that's coming up I- in this Lent and for this year is just being that earthen vessel that is prepared to be filled with the glory of God. Right. Cause like when I started thinking about me as an earthen vessel, I was thinking of it, a vessel full of earth, right. <laughs> it was just full of sand. Right. And I'm like, there's no room. There's no room for Jesus. There's no room for grace in there. Um, and so I gotta work to empty some of that out.
1: So, yeah, a lot of it when we have hurdles or or barriers that prevent us from getting something, it's because of our perception of what it is. Mm-hmm. Like my perception of prayer was, we had to do a whole rosary, and you had to really like it. And rosaries to me were like, growing up, the only time we did rosaries is when we were at a wake, and we did them in Spanish. That's that was rosary. So I'd follow along in the rosary in Spanish. And, you know, then there'd be like the Apostles and I'd be like, oh, I don't know this one too much. But yeah. And I'd be like Santos. And like, yeah, I would know like <laughs> half of it. But like fumbling along. But I knew, boy, you knew the Hail Mary and Our Father in Spanish real good at the end. So I think I thought of prayer had to be associated with death and like struggle, I guess. And maybe that's where it stemmed from. Sure. Um, or you had to be quiet and still. Sarah Rosie cannot be quiet and still.
0: <laughs> that is, that's really difficult in general. I can't do it either. <laughs> I had I did not have a positive relationship with the rosary for a long time because it was just, to me, I, I always fell asleep. The rosary <laughs> puts me to sleep. And everyone was always like, oh, you just because uh, I was always making excuses. When do I pray the rosary? And everyone was like, oh, just pray it while you drive. And I'm like, no, I will crash my car. <laughs> Because I'll be asleep by decade two, so.
1: Oh, well, then I found the beauty of the Chaplet of Mercy, mm. which is like micro, like rosary. He's on a rosary, but it's said so much faster. It's it's shorter, and that got me into, I guess, I would hate to say the word trusting, but like feeling comfy, cozy with long prayer like that. Yeah. and. It opened up the possibilities for more for me. And then I was on a retreat and there was an option to do a prayer class in the retreat. And I was just like, oh, I don't know about that one. I don't know about that one. And then I met the sister who was in charge of it at lunch. And we were like instant best friends. And I was just like, this is who I want to be. I want to be this sister. She's so cool and amazing, and she just, like, could quote the catechism and the scripture just like that. And, like, she had a little tiny catechism in her pocket, and she took it out, and, That's like, awesome. she just, like, here we go. This is the passage that you need right now. And, and I was just like, oh, you are so cool. Yeah. And I went to her class. And I learned that prayer is a conversation. And I like conversation. So I should like prayer. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Because Sarah Rosie likes to talk to people. So this, this should be in my wheelhouse. And it was all about changing that perspective. And it freed me. Nice. Freed me. Yeah. So it's something that I do all the time now. And the I have a little alarms on my phone. Tell you what, that's a good use of technology. Is alarms on your phone?
0: Constant reminder. Yep.
1: Yes. Yeah. And sometimes it's like, I mean, come on, everybody's got their little watches to mm-hmm. notify them of things. Yep. You can get it to notify you to pray, to chill.
0: Because we, you can get a ding and a ping for every time a friend thumbs up a picture and yes. <laughs> all that stuff. You can also get it to ding and ping just to remind you to pray. That's super important. Yes. Yeah. I had
1: to. Basically, I transitioned from getting Premier League dings and pings. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) There we go. The soccer references. I told you it was going to (laughs) happen. It's coming. There it is. It
1: it was going to happen. But I made the transition of changing it from Premier League to prayer. Nice. And because I was tired of...
0: The spiritual Premier League.
1: Yeah. Well, I was tired of having to go to confession about my idolatry into... Premier League because I did focus on it a lot. So let's focus again about um, self-sacrifice and okay. how we're already doing it and how is it positive. All right. I don't know. We're going back to like the athletic references. I mean people mm-hmm. go to the gym yep. all the time and those are self-sacrifice and self-control and they're going in there, maybe they're denying themselves of certain foods or or only eating certain kinds of foods For the physical well being of their bodies. That's something that's culturally very approved.
0: Yeah, there's actually, I heard someone recently talking about this and how it's actually becoming super mainstream in certain pockets. Well, I guess that doesn't make it super mainstream, but in certain pockets of our culture, um, like aside from this like religious concept of self sacrifice, there are people that are intentionally sacrificing a lot in a big way. Like you said, athletically, it's really common to sacrifice food and and work really hard in the gym and stuff like that. But there are people that are are sacrificing uh, in all aspects of their life. They're like mortifying themselves and taking cold showers and and, uh, reducing their sexual activity and all kinds of stuff to try to better themselves. So it's actually becoming sort of mainstream. For me, I think a, a key area recently that I've had to dial back a lot was um, uh, my phone being a distraction around the house. Mm-hmm. Like that, that was always a big thing for me. Like it's, and it's, there's no good excuse for it. Cause for me, it was like dumb stuff. Like I was flipping around on Amazon, looking at cool things to buy that I, you know, I don't have the money to buy. So I'm just like throwing them in the cart. Cause it feels good to throw them in the cart. And then it, you know, uh, playing call of duty. Oh. I was silly, guilty pleasure of mine. I play call of duty on my phone and, um, yeah. It was kind of when my my wife was like, um, "We're at the dinner table," and I was like, "Oh, we are. Why, why is this? Why is my phone in my hand at the dinner?" Because I know better, right? right. I know better. Um, so for me, it actually was like I shut a lot of notifications off. I deleted a lot of apps um, just for the sake of reducing the noise and the distraction. That's really kind of where it started for me. It was the concept of noise, right? So I was taking the noise out. I didn't want the push notifications. I didn't, you know, I actually. I took my work email off my phone. That's okay. By the way, game changer, right? If you could take your work email off your phone, my anxiety level went from here to here, right? Because it was just this constant buzz of everything going on at work, and um, I I didn't need that, right? Right. Like, I'm not a trauma surgeon. I'm not going to be called in to save somebody's life. Like, we have spiritual needs that go on around here, but I'm also not the priest. So (laughs) it's not like I'm administering... The you know, the last right. Yeah. So it's it's not like a big deal. Like things can wait until the next morning. And it's really amazing because I thought it was just gonna burn a lot of relationships with people, but people just naturally started to understand like Alan doesn't respond to his email very quickly, which I think was a general understanding anyway. So <laughs> it really didn't hurt anybody. So it was fine. I took the email off. Um that that was a big thing for me. And it actually it literally, no joke, it took me probably two weeks to get used to it because I was constantly like, oh my gosh, I'm missing something. What's happening? And I would pull my phone out and I would look and I'm like, oh, there's not even, there's no notification there to look at. So um, for me, that was a big thing in in changing, in my own self-sacrifice and preparing, um, you know, my heart to be receptive to what the Lord had to offer was just silencing the technology, which is really funny because I'm always the guy around the office that's like pushing technology. And in the last like two months, I'm the guy that's like, ah, ah forget it. No. No. We could probably solve that technolog- technologically, but we're not going to. No, put it on paper.
1: But silencing the notifications, because even myself, like, I had to keep up on Premier League, and like, I can't watch all the games mm. simultaneously because, I mean, how annoying. You could try. <laughs> but I can't because you guys schedule classes over games. Like, they, I can't be teaching. And watching the game at the same time. I mean, I guess I could have notifications like clicking on my phone during class, but I might be slightly distracted. So, um, yeah, I've had to silence notifications and video updates and highlight updates. And, you know, different seasons, you have different sports that you need to keep up on. And I've had to just say no. Like, okay, we're entering a new sports cycle. We are not. We are not going to do it. Yeah. We we will catch up when we can. We don't need it
0: to live. Right. And you can always, in a sense, compartmentalize it, right? Like that's that's been a thing for me. Like because I don't have my work email on my phone, there's a specific day and time every week that I sit down and I knock all of that out. You know, and it, it just kind of puts it all into one section of life. And I know it's coming and then I know it's gone. Yeah. And I can just forget about it.
1: Right. Yeah. Like Saturday mornings the kids know, okay, mom's watching her games, just leave her alone. But that's my game time. It used to be every day and I've just limited it. And I feel more free and I'm less and the kids know I'm less angry. Because it's like, Why are you talking to me right now? <laughs> that game is on or like it's just this is a free kick. Just can you let me watch it? <laughs>
0: Isn't that crazy how it like immediately jumps to like something so much more because it's just a game, right? (laughs) And it's like a habit to watch and then it like immediately jumps to anger. Like I would do that all the time because I'm like, I'm playing Call of Duty. Like there's literally no consequence to losing the game or like just shutting the phone off in the middle (laughs) of whatever. But I'm like, I find myself getting really frustrated and I'm like, I just, I just got to... I, I just want to finish this thing. And my brain like wants to get, to, or if like sending a text message or an email, I'm like, I just got to get to the end of it. Don't bother me. Right. Yeah. But, and it just, I found that it wasn't worth it. Right. My, right. my own heart didn't need the anger. So we got to let that go.
1: Right. And yeah. then the other ways that we could do it with the internet and the phones are looking at Facebook or all the other different social medias. Yep. I mean, you can get on there and an hour goes by like that yep. and it's gone. Mm-hmm. An hour of your life. Just evaporated. Doing what? Nothing. Nothing. Have you have you gained anything? Have you nope. learned anything of value? Are you a better person? Are you a better mom? A better wife? A what? What are you now? You're nothing more. I'm
0: probably not a better wife. I'll admit. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> I get what you're saying. Better spouse. Yes. There. No, and I, no, I, I definitely, I'm guilty of that too. Like it's. For me it was it was at night we'd all, you know, go to bed and I'd lay down and I'd start flipping through Instagram or whatever and it was like two hours later. I'm like, Oh my gosh.
1: Or Pinterest. Probably yeah. not for you.
0: I mean, I've been there. <laughs>
1: You've been there or <laughs> Etsy? for tiny s-
0: houses and trucks, they're all over Pinterest.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like Christmas time is when I get when Christmas shopping? Well, that's when I get bad with all those stuff. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I'm no, I yeah. Yeah, I would no, I would lose sleep. And then I'd be, like, tired and exhausted and frustrated the next day. And then Genevieve would be like, well, what's your problem? And I'm like, well, you know, I had to learn all of those videography tricks at, like, midnight. So.
1: Exactly. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Or, like, (laughs) one night I, like, watched all these, like, hermit crab care videos. Nice. I know, right?
0: That'll get you far in life.
1: Really far. Do you— Obviously, Do you have we, hermit crabs? We had to.
0: You had to. Are they? Are they dead now? <laughs> Did the videos not help? <laughs> I have one. Oh no. Okay.
1: <laughs> hermit crabs have kind of dumb pets.
0: Are they really? Wow. Well, I've okay. never had a hermit crab pet.
1: Maybe if I had like all the things from the climb on and the waterfalls, all these like mega YouTubers have that are there's like there's some hermit crab like YouTubers. Just so you know, guys.
0: I may or may not be losing a couple hours of sleep tonight. <laughs> I'll be all read up on hermit crabs tomorrow, though. So, yeah, cool. All right, well, let's um, let's close it out with a prayer. All right, would you like to lead us in prayer? Or I'll do it. I'm sorry. That's the same look I get from high school kids when I'm like, <laughs> "You want to lead us in prayer?" They're like, "No, you do it." Okay, that's fine. <laughs> in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Lord God, we thank you for the gift. Uh, that is this parish community. We thank you for the opportunity to be here, um, and we thank you for the opportunity uh, to speak and to uh, to just be together and to share our experiences over Lent. And we just ask that you would bless this conversation um, and bless this episode, bless uh, all those who are listening to it, uh, that we might all grow closer to your most sacred heart. And Mother Mary, we ask for your intercession as well. And uh, we ask all of this in the name of Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, that is it for episode one of our Lenten series. Um, as you can tell, uh, we're still learning a lot, so bear with us. Uh, we're, we're trying to figure out where to look. Do we look at the monitor? Do we look at each other? Uh, I will watch this episode and figure out which one <laughs> worked. So be patient with us. Thank you for tuning in. We uh, appreciate you being here. Um, Whatever channel it is you are listening to us on or watching us on, like it, subscribe it, follow it, smash all those buttons we need to smash, uh, as the kids say these days, and uh, tune in for episode two of our Lenten series. Uh, We're going to break this down into kind of different phases of life. So uh, we're going to bring in some single people, and we're going to talk about Lent for single people and the challenges that that uh, presents. We'll catch you in the next episode. Have a great week.